0: And the DLF family, a podcast. That's Tommy B. I'm the SFT. This is a super flex, super show. Here we go. How about some week 15, aka week one of the fantasy football playoffs in most leagues? Standard operating procedures. And uh, that's a little bit misleading, Tommy, because uh, we have, what, about 10? standard operating procedures, and then we're talking about what we want to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, welcome to the playoffs, Super Friends. (laughs) We made it. Now it's time to go undefeated, right? Some of us have limped into the playoffs, and we need these standard operating procedures. So we're not going to leave you hanging. But some of us are on buys. The regular season is over for about half of us and we've been dying to talk about strategy. I know I have, John. So Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and jump into these because I want to make sure that we're helping out the super friends who are competing. Um, But I am so ready to talk strategy with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just a little foreshadowing, we're going to talk strategy for the fantasy playoffs a little bit too. Like we've got, we'll, we'll, we'll skip ahead to the non-point scoring season a little bit. Uh, We'll, but we're still talking in season stuff. So we're not just completely abandoning you to go on that playoff run yourself. Yep. Um, it's kind of the opposite. In fact, to me, we'll get to this in a little bit, but to me, this is the time when the people who are in the playoffs really start gripping, really start kind of abandoning the processes that got them there. And uh, so this is going to be a little bit of a refresher on, uh, how to how to play this game the exact same way, because somebody's going to go three and zero over the next three weeks. There's absolutely no reason that it can't be you, and so we're going to help uh, lay the groundwork for that run. Let's start though with some standard operating procedures. Just make sure they're rostered. Joe Flacco for the Cleveland Browns three touchdown game. Um, it, I mean, I, I I assume that we all saw that coming. Uh, we talked about him last week as an ad, high-priority ad. But if he's still on waivers, make sure and scoop him up. Tons of running backs to make sure. Ty Chandler with Alexander Madison injured. Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire with Isaiah Pacheco injured. Um, and they really did seem to split up that workload quite a bit. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, kind of the, the passing downs, and they really – do bring him in around the goal line, but uh, a lot of this stuff in between is going to CEH. A wide receiver, Xavier Gibson uh, for the New York Jets, especially now that they're back to Zach Wilson at quarterback. Um, the Tim Boyle experiment is officially flamed out. And then a tight end, Brevin Jordan. <sighs> Man, like, if if Dalton Schultz, or Tegan Quatoriano come back. This is just kind of a non-issue, and we're talking about Hunter Hurst Henry instead, something like that, you know? Yeah. But the fact that these guys cannot make it back on the field, particularly TQ, uh, we've been waiting for him to come in, and and, uh, like the prophecy says, that he's going to come in and and win you your leagues. Just need to get him off of IR already. So saith SFD.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a one-week endeavor. We're gonna go week by week with you, super friends. This week it may be Brevin Jordan. Next week, I think is Tegan Catoriano week. Um, <laughs> so just just get through. You know that that's all we have to do is score more points than one other team this week. And I think Brevin Jordan could be a, a useful add. A couple other guys that I want to make sure that we're adding on our contending rosters, um, starting at the quarterback position. I'm just going to name three names here. We'll go through the situations. Nick Mullins with the Minnesota Vikings, Easton Stick with the LA Chargers, and Davis Mills with the Houston Texans. They all have kind of a similar situation. Nick Mullins replaced Josh Dobbs uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, and it was probably the right choice after that hospital ball that he threw to Justin Jefferson that may have cracked his ribs, and he really just spoiled by Sunday. So <laughs> welcome, Nick Mullins, to the starting role this week. Easton Stick and Davis Mills, they're in because the starters got injured, right? So I'm going to pause right here because this is the highest priority, um, in my opinion, that we need to navigate is the quarterback position. Who out mm-hmm. of these three guys are you prioritizing?
0: I think it's got to be Mullins, just mm-hmm. because uh, the most likely scenario is He's available to you. He's an option for you all three weeks. Yep. Uh, Easton and stick. So we, what we know right now, Justin Herbert with that fractured finger undergoing surgery, he'll definitely miss this week on a short turnaround on Thursday night. Um, so it'll be east and stick. But beyond that, we have no, it could be Justin Herbert a week later yep. pretty easily. Um, same thing with Davis Mills. And And in fact, it's actually less likely that Davis Mills gets a start, much less three of them. Um, With uh, CJ Stroud in a concussion protocol, we see players pretty routinely clear protocol within a week. So Davis Mills might you might not even get a start out of him. Um, But Nick Mullins in a very good offense uh, looks like he's going to start the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Nick Mullins is probably the priority add here um, from a ceiling and a floor perspective. Davis Mills last year showed me enough that he is a viable super flex candidate.
0: Yeah, for sure. However,
1: yeah, some of the weapons are Good in weapon, and out of yeah. the lineup. Um, we just talked about Dalton Schultz. The receivers are banged up as well. Um, I would still wrap Davis Mills over Easton stick, but it's pretty close. If you're at this phase of the playoffs, though, unless you're really desperate, um, it's Nick Mullins or bust for me. Um, but moving on to the running backs, Jamal Williams. Chase Brown, Zamir White, and Isaiah Spiller are our guys to add this week. And I'm getting a little excited about Jamal Williams personally. His role has been growing. Kendra Miller has been out. And I know that Alvin Kamar has been scoring a ton of touchdowns. Jamal Williams hasn't scored a single one this year, but we know that he can be effective in the goal line. We saw that last year with the Detroit Lions. And so I am willing to put in an add right now on Jamal Williams, because these situations change on a dime. And I think that if he gets more opportunity, Jamal Williams could be somebody that we could be plugging in over the last few weeks of the playoffs. Um, At wide receiver, John Mechie. um, I think it's J. Mike and Zach that meant that wide receiver is an escalator, not an elevator. So as wide receivers get more opportunity, they don't necessarily... Ascend to wide receiver one or necessarily wide receiver two production. However, we see that John Mechie is a second round uh, draft pick in the NFL draft. He had that horrible um, cancer situation and he was out for a year, but the profile is there. And if you're going to bet on anybody, you know, from these dredges, a second round player um, who could potentially be paired with C.J. Stroud is a really good bet down the stretch. Um, other options, Parker Washington. As a Jaguars fan, I am just furious at this guy. He's a slot wide <laughs> receiver replacing Christian Kirk, and he almost single handedly ruined our chances at a win last week against the Cleveland Browns. Um, So if you have to pick him up, you can, but I will not be picking up (laughs) Parker Washington out of spite. (laughs) I'll let you weigh in on him in a minute, Superflex dude, because I think we need a more level-headed approach there. Um, (laughs) uh, Demarcus Robinson, another option with the LA Rams. And then at tight end real quickly, Dawson Knox and Davis Allen. Any of these guys speaking your attention?
0: Uh, Davis Allen for sure. Um, taking over the, uh, starting tight end job when, uh, so, uh, Tyler Higby was already out and then, yeah. uh, um, Hunter long goes out with, a, I believe a knee injury, um, ruled out almost immediately. So like, you're probably looking at missed time for him. Um, meanwhile, Davis Allen, the first Rams tight end all season to eclipse 50 yards. He also added in a touchdown. So like, He's already performing better than, uh, any, uh, any Rams tight end had all season. (laughs) So, um, good chance that they just stick with him. Um, wide receiver, John Mechie, I think really stands out among these guys. I mean, I think that Parker Washington is a fine ad just based on the way the Jaguars use that, that slot receiver position, um, but uh i mean like the the most likely benefactor with christian kirk going out would be zay jones that's mm-hmm. the guy and and in fact he probably if if it wasn't for the fact that he has such high roster ship already we would be we would have mentioned him in the standard operating procedures but he's he's the guy most likely to see the volume uh increase and i think that's the guy that i i i I think you want you want Zay Jones in your lineup this week, not just on your roster. I think you want him in your lineup.
1: I like that call, and Evan Ingram as well, if you're going to be keying in on that offense, because with the Jaguars down, two left tackles, two left guards, their center underperforming, their uh, top two cornerbacks injured, I could see Evan Ingram being a PPR machine as he really showed last week to the tune of something like 30 points. Um so if you have him, fantastic. If you can acquire him from a non-contending team, he may be a decent buy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We don't have any next week this week for you. I we just we really just kind of folded them all into the ads. And part of the thing is uh you know, budget fab budgets at this point in the season are pretty much dwindled down to nothing anyways so every transaction looks about the same yeah uh you're also competing with about half of your league at this point um and you know instead of the full whatever 12 team league 14 team league whatever like the the six of them that are still alive are the only ones that you're necessarily competing with for these players so um, stashing isn't something we necessarily need to do we're looking more for who helps us advance to the next round and we're taking this week by week at least that's my my approach to it
1: yeah i i totally agree i've I've really narrowed my scope so even if i have a buy all i care about is week 16 i'm not looking at championship week if i don't have a buy this week is all that matters right like what do I need to start in my lineup? Do I have enough? If not, what do I need to acquire? And it's it's really these, you know, select handful of guys.
0: Yeah. And based on that, I've got some some hypotheticals for you um, to kind of kick off our, uh, our um, strategy session when we get to it. But real quick, you do have a few other uh, standard operating procedures for us. What do you want to, uh, <laughs> to throw out there? <laughs> All right. Um, I've already mentioned the offensive
1: line for the Jaguars being a problem. So I'm fading Trevor Lawrence. Not only is the situation bad, but both of his legs are bad. Um, left knee injured, high ankle sprain on the right leg. Um, I don't think I can start him in any of my super flex teams. I'm willing to start a a Jake Browning over Trevor Lawrence right now. And that may be a hot take. Um, it may be my fandom sneaking through, but this coming week, the Jaguars have the Baltimore Ravens. And so I am just, I am out, out, out on Trevor Lawrence, as painful as that is. Do you, do you feel the same?
0: Um, not totally, just because they are still in the playoff race. Um, I, I get it, but uh, yeah, I mean, plenty of weapons. Um, typically, you're going to get a little bit more out of that running game. Uh, which which really just kind of adds a dimension to the entire offense. Um, when there's a credible running game, it's always easier to throw. Uh, so I I don't know. I, to me, there's still some there's still some positivity there. But um, yeah, I I I would I guess I'll say this. I think that he's not in must start territory. Where a lot of people are going to put him, I think that you you consider some you know weekly streamer type of guys over Trevor Lawrence the rest of the way.
1: That's very even keeled, and I appreciate that. I think the super fans <laughs> <games> might too. <laughs> yeah, um, a couple of buys. Um, so I've got some really strong teams that are in the playoffs, and I lost Mark Andrews on 13 of my 18 teams. I picked up Isaiah Likely in seven of them. I want to trade for him. Massive, Yeah. Yeah. He feels like the best value in tight end premium right now. If you're a contending team, he is somebody who can get you, you know, a solid 15 points with a ceiling of 30 points in a given week, because that offense, even though we changed offensive coordinators last year, it's still very tight end centric. And Isaiah likely has been a very capable fill in. Um, the other guy I'm buying is Deandre Swift. I would imagine that some of the managers in your leagues have really suffered with DeAndre Swift over the past three weeks. Um, Week 12, 9.4 fantasy points, 13, uh, four fantasy points, and week 14, 3.9 in a typical PPR league. However, this schedule really opens up for DeAndre Swift, and I could see a recommitment to the run game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Do you want to move into sales? I've, I've got just one.
0: Yeah, let's hear it.
1: It's um, Dak Prescott, maybe the QB one overall for the playoff run. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man.
0: I mean, yes, he is a quarterback one uh, for the QB run. <laughs> this is such but a fickle no, position. Like, yeah.
1: we just lost Justin Herbert. We've lost so many elite quarterbacks. And right now is the highest value I've seen Dak Prescott have in – I don't know, years since he was on pace for 6,000 passing yards in 2021, I think it was like, it's time. Like if, if you have a Jake Browning type, a Joe Flacco type, I am okay rolling the dice a little bit and selling Dak Prescott for a Justin Herbert, you know, with a little adder on top. You and I talked about this a little bit off air and you vehemently disagree with me. So tell me why I'm wrong.
0: Well, it, it kind of comes back to the infinity stones thing, you know, like when you, when you get them, you just, you collect them all and just enjoy the fact that nobody can touch you for that period of time. I'm with you. If you're not a contender, if you missed the playoffs, or even if you made the playoffs with a very imperfect roster, um, with Dak Prescott and a bunch of holes, um, I, I could I could see it then because, like you said, I mean this is this is outlier to you know st- several standard deviations to the right of what he's typically going to do. Um, kind of value it in all time high, especially for an aging player. So, it, like he's on a he's on a career type of hot streak that he's not going to be able to duplicate. So but I don't see anything wrong with writing that for the last three weeks and, and picking up a championship. If, if you're in a position to do so.
1: I get it. And I think this goes into how we build teams, maybe a little bit differently in the off season. When you invited me onto the show for the first time ever, I told you I would go to more extreme lengths than maybe you would be willing to. Mm And I think this is an example of that, of saying like, I don't, I don't know what variance is going to bring. I don't know what injury luck is going to occur. Um, It's very clear right now that Dak Prescott is on a run that could very well and may very well lead you to a championship. Mm -hmm. He is my second or third most rostered quarterback. Maybe I'm just a bad Thanos maybe I'm just not good at collecting <laughs> infinity stones, you know, maybe I'm, I'm too nervous. Maybe I'm more of a look.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or just too logical. And, uh, I'm just, uh, I, I don't, um, I just don't take the same approach, but I kind of wonder which of us is on the Island to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not convinced. I mean, I think that conventional wisdom is when you get a player performing like this, you sell high. Um, I just uh, mm-hmm. there to me. For one thing, I don't know that the if he finishes this run over the next three weeks, I don't know that he necessarily that his value is going to drop over the the at least at the very beginning of the non point scoring season. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It makes sense. I mean, he is also somebody I wouldn't mind having on my team for the next four or five years. He's that type of a player where you have a profile with multiple hits, contract security, probably a renegotiation of contract, mm-hmm. an elite wide receiver and a decent supporting cast, a good offensive line. It's all pretty much there. Yeah. However, there's a cyclical nature to quarterback where we grow tired of quarterbacks who perform at a high level for a long time we're also fickle when players are underperforming um we sell them under their reasonable values and right now is an opportunity to pick up maybe some underperforming quarterbacks i wonder what it would take to get into a patrick mahomes into a joe burrow a justin herbert um maybe a trevor lawrence if he does underperform like i'm worried about
0: yeah yeah not to mention you know some of the guys who uh would be a, it would be an obvious downgrade from Dak mm-hmm. Prescott but would also come with a significant sweetener you know um Deshaun Watson being a kind of one of the more obvious examples to me yeah Kirk Cousins another you know yeah. he's, he's got a very
1: similar points per game to a Kirk Cousins um yeah. I think that they're they're pretty similar players. It's just right now one is absolutely red hot, and another has a torn Achilles.
0: Yeah, hell, Anthony Richardson could great be great. One like you could get a plus on yeah. top of Anthony Richardson, and honestly, especially for QBX, like you really kind of want some of those more boom bust guys. You don't want it, like it, again. I'll ride Dak Prescott to a championship this year. But beyond that, I don't want to ever feel like I have to start any one or two guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Unless
0: it's unless it's Pat Mahomes. I'm I've always been okay rubber stamping Pat Mahomes, but Dak Prescott, like, I, I don't want to be in a position where I feel like I have to start him because of his floor. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I want a lot of different um, you know, high upside type of guys. And I'll take whoever I think has the highest floor for that given week. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson belongs in that type of rotation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we're dancing around this. I'm going to jump right in the pool. I had an elite QB build with five top 12 quarterbacks. We talked about this as well via DM a couple of days ago. I don't think I've gone far enough with this strategy. I think that, and I, I'm curious, your thoughts. I think that QBX is in need of slight revision. I think my strategy is as well with how many quarterbacks are performing at a high level um, from replacement depths.
0: I think we need to roster more QBs, John. Yeah, it's it's very possible. And I mean, it could be as as easy as handcuff your guys. Yes. Um, I yes. like, I, I, I kind of wonder if maybe that's the amendment to the strategies that you're looking for just because, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily see the value in, um, you know, with the five guys you have, if you had also added, uh, you know, when Anthony Richardson got her go and add Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. to that, to those five, um, And, you know, he would have been in consideration. I don't know that you would have benched, you know, if you had, you, you had like Josh Allen and and Jalen hurts. I don't think you're benching those guys for Gardner Minshew under any circumstances. Right. I agree. I, I think one
1: consideration, and I'm not trying to galaxy brain this too far is in the very upper crust, the true elite quarterbacks, maybe breaking ties toward, stronger backups, and then finding my way into those backup quarterbacks. And so let's say next year, coming into 2024, we think that Tua Tungabailoa is a top eight quarterback with potential to be a top five quarterback. That's really the profile that we're hunting, right? And we've got Mike White as the backup quarterback. Am I willing to break a tie with him and a Trevor Lawrence with CJ Beathard as the backup? Because I know that I can handcuff and really maintain a very high level of production if Tua goes down. You know, is that a a non-galaxy brained high level strategy that we can start to employ where we're breaking ties uh, within these different tiers?
0: Yeah. I can already hear the response to this though. And <laughs> and that's the tough part is like, what is the answer to the fact that we're essentially asking people to roster 10 quarterbacks Sure, like, in, in some leagues that's half your roster, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, we know, uh, we know, you know, we talk about this all the time. We're, we're it, just as in tune as anybody to the reality that you need a ton of running backs. Mm-hmm. To get through a season you know so um that's that's kind of the tough part uh and it, maybe it's not necessarily handcuff every quarterback maybe it's uh it's it, it like go for the the higher level backups i think um yes. so You know, like Gardner Minshew would have been the type of quarterback handcuff that you want. Jameis Winston, I think, is the type of handcuff that you would want. Mm -hmm. Um, Flacco's come out of nowhere, though, right? And so as we have
1: injuries mount up, I I was a Deshaun Watson, the player, not the person supporter, Mm -hmm. um, coming into the regular season. Joe Flacco wasn't even a thought coming into week one. Um, Right. We had Dorian Thompson Robinson. PJ Walker eventually um, Mm -hmm. was signed to the active roster. So we had no clue about, you know, what is happening coming into the playoffs where Flacco is a viable starter, right? Mm -hmm. So as we hit these injuries, as our quarterbacks with non, I'm going to use this in quotations, non-elite backup quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. um, it's important, I think, for us to spend up more heavily than our league mates at the backup quarterback position as these starts clarify.
0: Yeah, I think so too. It's also though, like in the case of Flacco, I think you just kind of be okay with missing on that one, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Because like the whole, one of, one of many features of quarterback extreme um, and your, your strategy, your all elite quarterback strategy as well. Um, one of the features of uh, really of just having five starting quarterbacks is the fact that you don't really have to get in on the, on the waiver runs at mm-hmm. quarterback. And we've been talking about them in the standard operating procedures throughout the season. Uh, we've had several of those weeks and like, I mean, I just, I just kind of drag myself in here and I'm like, well, we got to talk about freaking Aiden O'Connell and Mitchell <laughs> Trubisky and like... <laughs> Yeah, like I hate those weeks, yeah. um, but that's because I don't want, I, I don't want our super friends to have to get involved in those. Yeah, I don't want them to have to throw a bunch of money at Joe Flacco. Yep. And so, um, you know, the, ideally you put yourself in a position where you've got the quarterback depth so that you can stay out of that. Let other people fight over Joe Flacco when he just kind of appears out of nowhere. And then you still have that fab that you can use at the running back position because we're constantly seeing running backs that we had no idea they were going to be fantasy viable, much less startable every single week. And you want to be able to get in on those.
1: I mean, absolutely. The running back position is still king. I think you have an opportunity for off-ramps, though. So let's say that you do have... I'm going to pick a, a mid-tier uh, QB2 like a Jared Goff, let's say, or a Jordan Love, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, like that cast of quarterbacks. If you do hit on a Joe Flacco, that's the time to sell those guys, right? Assuming mm-hmm. that, you know, their value is fairly reflective in your league of market value. If you can sell, you know, one of those players for a first and a third, you know, a Jordan Love for a first and a third, you can start Joe Flacco the rest of the way, pocket that, you know, quote unquote value and like move forward to actually acquiring an elite quarterback. I think that's the way to do it is not to deal from the bottom, but to deal from the middle of your QBX team.
0: Yeah. And so you would be targeting, I assume, um, especially uh, uh, particular with your, particularly with your strategy, you're still looking for that upper crust. Mm -hmm. And so I assume that you're targeting like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are the best examples right at the moment, because those should be elite level quarterbacks um, next year and uh, uh, should be discounted because of the fact that they're not available this year. Yep. Um, Yeah. Just kind of assuming that that's what happens with Herbert. Again, I have no idea yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but so you're, so you're kind of targeting those guys, I would assume. And the reason you have that luxury, which kind of, if we're, if we're ready to move on, kind of transitions us into uh, a second topic, um, of strategy for us to kind of discuss, but you're in a position to do that as a contender because you have the quarterback depth, including Joe Flacco to continue, to continue your run uninterrupted. Um, and then, you know, you're once, uh, once the season's over, you're a step closer to having that, that five elite quarterback build that you're going for.
1: Exactly. Because in the off season, you don't typically find elite quarterbacks as tradable assets from your opponents. Mm-hmm. And so this is the time to capitalize is when folks are in the heat of the moment and, they think that they have, you know, a 40% chance of winning a championship when in reality they have an 18% chance because very few contenders have anything above a 36% chance of of winning a championship when you break it down. And so you're trying to take advantage of, you know, this blood pumping through the veins of really the other contenders in your league and you have to you have to be willing to look silly if Dak Prescott goes bananas against you um because you will get made fun of I know I would in in my league <laughs> chat if I trade away a Dak Prescott and then he puts 45 points on me and I lose in the first round of the playoffs like it doesn't <laughs> feel good
0: <laughs> <laughs> right which uh, yeah uh, and again sometimes there's uh, there's a certain amount of this game that's it really kind of comes down to uh, just kind of accepting, um, the, uh, the lack of results despite good process. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, sometimes that's a big piece of it is just kind of, um, is convincing yourself that it's okay to get it wrong and ruin mm-hmm. your season. You know, obviously you don't want to, but, you know, sometimes the greater good, uh, should supersede you know, the next three weeks. So,
1: yeah, let me ask you, John, what are you doing with your QBX teams? If you have the surplus right now and you're contending, I'm not saying you're trading away your QB one, but from the middle to bottom tiers of your QB rooms, are you hoarding? Are you willing to sell to someone you're facing um, this upcoming week? Are you willing to sell to a buy team? I think,
0: uh, I think so I'm not I'm not in a great position to uh, to uh, speak to this firsthand just because of the the makeup of my contending teams. Um, what I would like to think is that uh, I would I would look ahead at the next three weeks, see who am I likely to start in each of these matchups. And see if there's someone who I can live without within Mm -hmm. that, that five, those five quarterbacks. I don't want, again, I don't want to rubber stamp quarterbacks. Um, We're we're in a little bit of a position at this point in the season where you do it with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. And as much as I hate to admit it, Lamar Jackson, like (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you can take him out of your lineup at this point. Um, we're really kind of even there with guys like Justin Fields and Tua Tonga I believe. Yep. Um, but uh, you know, so but I'm still not just gonna say, all right, so I've got I I've got Jalen Hurts, I've got Josh Allen, um, I'm you know, I'm not like I don't need anything else. I'm not willing to go that far. Um, but I am willing to look at the next three weeks worth of matchups and say, all right, I also have Uh, you know, I also have Tua and I also have um Jordan Love, and I don't see a scenario where I start Jordan Love,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially if he's got bad matchups, which I'm I have no idea, um, to be honest with you. The rest of the way. But, you know, if, if I find out that he's got some pretty bad matchups, but he's an enticing starter to somebody in the playoffs, like bonus that I get to sabotage somebody mm-hmm. while, you know, while, uh, while turning a profit. What else is on mm-hmm. your mind now? Uh, so I I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this is this is another one of yours, but it's, it's something that I thought was very interesting. Um, and again, you know, I kind of think that, that we uh, had an opportunity to segue into it. We might have we missed it, but I have no problem doing an about face and getting back to this. Because, <laughs> you know, we were kind of talking about how quarterback extreme and all elite quarterback kind of puts you in a position to, uh, you know, to, to potentially um, trade away some quarterbacks uh, right now, including potentially Dak Prescott. Mm -hmm. um guys and guys in that same tier as a contender which is very counterintuitive um to a point of really kind of defying the physics of uh of dynasty league uh, roster management right
1: yeah totally and i don't know about you john but sometimes i just get a thought in my head and it runs wild and inevitably comes back to dynasty fantasy football because I mean, several hours a day, I've got fantasy on my mind, like everything (laughs) sort of comes back. And I've been thinking a lot about gravity um, and sort of the gravity of, of teams in individual leagues and of the moves we make and the momentum that we create. And one thing that has really stuck with me lately is some of the formulas associated with like the physics behind gravity. And one of the driving factors is the inverse of the distance between objects. And so I was thinking of contending teams and the force that contending or super contending teams have in individual leagues. So if you build a super team, if you've got 10 of the top 20 assets you've created a form of gravity in your league. And the decisions that you make can directly affect how everyone else builds their teams, the roster moves they make, who they draft, um, how they decide if they have a process to alter their process to counter you. Um, And it all depends on that inverse relationship of distance. So you and I are in Trade Addicts League Six and we have a super team. in our midst, in the form of J. Mike, who has an awesome squad. But where he's weak is tight end. And maybe a little bit at quarterback, but not really. Um, he's got Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy and a little bit extra on top, I think Will Levis. Um, but that distance is greater of him being elite compared to what is you know in the marketplace or on other teams. And so where the distance is greatest, the inverse relationship is the worst. And so I have tried to build my teams to be especially strong at quarterback and tight end to avoid his league gravity. Does any of that make sense? Does any of that resonate with you?
0: It does. It's uh, not exactly what I was, uh, where I thought you were going to go with it, but, um, but it does make sense. Uh the tough part for me, and this is total stream of consciousness. I do the same thing. I just like just randomly start thinking about something fantasy and dynasty related throughout the day, um, and uh, and and just kind of work it to death. So you've had that opportunity. Um, I'm kind of thinking about this for the first time, but. Uh, my, my initial thought is, and this is something that I always talk about in the startup is I don't want to react to other people. Um, and, and, and it's tough because you're not necessarily saying that you're reacting. You want to react to J Mike. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's more that you want J Mike to react to you. Yes. Um, which I think is, is, a. uh, a, a, a viable effort.
1: Mm-hmm. There's only so many opportunities to do so, right? Like, yeah, I can't beat him at wide receiver if he has Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Iuke and, you know, all these amazing receivers behind that. Like, I don't have the capital to fight in those waters. I don't really have the desire to either. That's not how I want to build a team, Um, (laughs) but it doesn't just have to be a super contender. It can be the people that, that you've highlighted as your primary opponents. Maybe you're in a league where there are divisions. And I think sort of using gravity or magnetism or whatever opposing and attracting forces you want, like there is some value in looking at how other people are doing things And if you're playing them twice in a year or if they're a really strong team and you're anticipating seeing them in the playoffs, finding ways to take what they're weak and make it an absolute strength of yours. So if they're weak at tight end, get Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, you know, double down, triple down if you can get Sam Laporta as well, because you know that they will never be able to match that. And you've put sort of this asymmetrical equation into play
0: yeah it, it it helps that there's a lot more gravitational pull at quarterback and to a slightly lesser extent but um at tight end because especially with a 1.75 tight end premium like we have yeah. in trade attic six so uh there's there's a lot that one's a lot easier to um to kind of force the issue uh when it's those two positions as opposed to like if he was weak at wide receiver i don't think this would work um and i okay. and i don't even think it would work if he was weak if he was strong everywhere but running back um just because that one is is such a revolving door but wide receiver there're just kind of so many different ways i like in order to corner that market you have to um I mean, for instance, he's again, he has uh, C.D. Lamb, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson. I think he might have Jamar Chase still, too. <laughs> like, <Sure. laughs> he, it, like, he's got like the top five wide receivers. Yeah. And I, I, I don't feel like that's particularly daunting. That's not the part of his lineup that scares me. You know, he's exerted a force, though. He is.
1: Created a gravitational force that is pushing our league mates to overinvest in the rookie drafts because we've had recent hits in the in the recent classes, mm-hmm. um, and so I I truly do feel that even if he isn't getting a major point scoring advantage, which I may have some issue with that. Um, from a market standpoint, he is exerting a force on our league mates. And so it's incumbent upon you and I to stay as far away from that position as possible to try to escape that gravitational pull, uh, either from a market sense or from a point scoring sense. So even if he's not getting the 25 points per game, um, and there are other advantages to be gained at the other positions, he has changed league dynamics just by rostering the top 5 wide receivers. It's a very similar
0: scope to what I'm trying to accomplish at quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, although I like I I feel like I've you know, obviously I haven't completely neutralized his advantage mm-hmm. um at wide receiver, but I made a pretty big dent in that advantage in the 4th round of the rookie draft with Tank Dell and Puka Nakua, you know. Yeah. And you know, like you take a few shots with like that and uh um you know get a get a couple late round hits and and you're right back in business. Mm-hmm. But uh whereas, you know, and in he can in all fairness, he can probably do the same thing at tight end. I think he mm-hmm. probably would have found Sam LaPorta Uh, pretty late in rookie drafts, um, relatively late, at least probably second round, I would assume. Um, but it, it's, it's a lot harder, uh, at tight end and it's damn near impossible at quarterback.
1: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And you also struck gold with CJ Stroud. Your team has really turned itself around due to healthy drafting, but you pick the right players. And not only am I bad at that, it's not an odds bet that I want to make. And so I am going to miss out on some of these rapid ascensions that you are realizing. And it's partially about just recognizing our own weaknesses as managers and avoiding them as much as possible. I think you're (laughs) a really good drafter. And I, I told you that into the off season, um, I, I want to copy what you do in some of my other leagues. Some of being a good manager is just finding what other people do well and not trying to deviate too far from that.
0: Yeah, totally. It It's one of those things though, that I've always had a hard time figuring out how to teach, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I mean, part of it is uh, this, is, and this is just a, this is just, you know me as a fantasy analyst kind of bearing my soul a little bit is i think it's an insecurity that every analyst probably has um just some have an easier time hiding it than others yeah uh but i you know in order to to get it right with tank dell um i would have had to make a very definitive um statement on him well before he even got on the football field Mm -hmm. and I mean, now I'm able to say, you know, in retrospect, that was a great pick. Um, but to there's a difference between me making a pick for my own rosters and me making a, a, a recommendation um, to all the listeners. Hey, like this, is, I you know, I have a good feeling about this, especially for someone like me who's not at all in numbers. But yeah, um, and like I, I I have no statistical basis for this. I'm just going off of a gut feeling and like asking people to trust that that's tough. Yeah. You know? Um, And so I, and it makes it, I, I, I guess it's, it's a a little bit of a catch 22 though, because I don't know how you, how you steal it, how you duplicate it Um, Mm -hmm. is. I, I can't really verbalize it, you know?
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. I think that that is sort of, the yin and yang of what we try to accomplish. I try to minimize risk in what I put on my own teams while maximizing risk for others. And I think you're fantastic at finding incredible value, uh, whether it be through the rookie draft or waiver moves or roster construction. Like, I think that you find great efficiencies um, and you take some big swings too. And so part of the recommendation that I would have for the Super Friends is find folks who you know, do those disparate things. Don't listen to the same voices. Don't find folks who have the same strategy because that is not going to lead to the results that are going to, you know, yield the way that you got a tank Dell. And, you know, some of the, some of the attacking methods that I use that have been wildly successful. Like I've, I've had a pretty good year, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm doing yeah, pretty well okay. in fantasy this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: Nice. Yeah. So we got, we, we've got to figure out how to, uh, how to bottle that and sell it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I hate to cut that one short, but I mean, it. it's definitely something, um, that we can, uh, we can, we'll be talking more about this. It's not just a we can. it's, we will, mm-hmm. um, keep coming back to, to that because, I feel like there are kind of a lot of different angles to attack the laws of gravity. Um, But the one last thing that I wanted to get to, and this could even kind of be your lineup hacks, part of your standard operating procedures this week. Um, But but I, and I'm, I'm kind of curious how this resonates with you based on, I know the way you make your, your roster decisions every week. Um, And I, and I wonder if it changes Based on the context. So here's kind of what I'm talking about is I, I, this time of year, um, I, I don't know about you, but I've been getting a lot more start sit questions. Oh yeah. Um, they're like, you start hearing from people that you haven't heard from in a while. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, which is, which is awesome. It's always great to reconnect with, uh, with some people that, uh, um, that I haven't talked to since, you know, spring. But, um, you know, this is the type of, uh, this is the part of the season where people really kind of start to question, um, their own intuition, uh, which is, is kind of a a big mistake just right off the top, by the way. Um, and you know, again, you just kind of get a little extra anxiety when it's one and done time. And, uh, you know, when, when the culmination of all the work um, is right here at your fingertips. It's just a matter of can you actually grab it? Mm-hmm. You know, people people get a lot more anxiety. They start wondering, you know, and and a lot of times they kind of want somebody else to make the decision for them. Yep. Um. It, it, I'm I'm not saying that this is necessarily you know what super friends do because I've never had somebody uh, ask me a start sit question, and then when I got it, if I got it wrong come back and you know yell at me and and you know curse me out and stuff um i know that other analysts have experienced that so i think i'm talking more to to their uh the consumers of their content mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, you know i i think that um for for those people it's a lot easier to uh to just say all right i i don't feel okay making this decision you make the decision for me and that way, you know, if it's wrong, I have, a, I have an excuse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. um, anyways, long, long story, much, much shorter. I'm getting a lot more this time of year. I get a lot more start sit questions. Um, and, uh, I, I guess for longtime listeners, this is more kind of a reminder. Um, but for newer listeners who haven't heard this before, I think there's a um a a very important point to be made, which is the context of the situation matters a lot. Yeah. Way more. And and this is why I don't like rankings. Um particularly weekly rankings. I don't know how much good it does you for me to tell you that uh you know player A is just kind of generally better than player B, unless that unless player A has both the floor and the ceiling, mm-hmm. right? So if we're talking about, uh, it, it, you know, if we're it, it, top running back, it's it's just escaping my my mind right now. Williams? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ky- yeah Kyron Williams versus, uh, l- let's say Jerome Ford, who yeah. you know I think is a very good kind of um mid to high running back too, Kyron Williams is kind of in must start territory. So if you're asking me those two, then yeah, one word answer, go with Williams, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but a lot of analysts still do that, even if it's kind of, if it's more ambiguous than that. Mm -hmm. And I think that they're doing a disservice, um, I, I, and I, furthermore, I don't think that that's the way they make their decisions. I don't think it's just a, (laughs) I don't think it's a clear cut, you know, one word answer. Uh, I think a lot of thought goes into it and I think that they think a lot about the situation. So projections are super, super important for this. Uh, it, it gives you a lot of information that I think gets overlooked a lot. So. If you're uh, 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 okay. So one of the examples from this weekend was Joe Flacco versus Jared Goff. Yep. Who do I start? You know, Jared Goff, decent matchup, bad weather, Joe Flacco, decent matchup, um, you know, better weather, uh, slightly healthier weapons, whatever. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that, there's so many different ways we can go with this, but I'm gonna talk through how I would approach this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would look at my process, how successful has it been over the previous 14 weeks, right? Mm -hmm. I know this, I'm about a 91 and a half to 93% in picking the correct lineup. I play a lot of start nine through start 11, Superflex leagues, some one QB leagues. And so of course the scoring settings matter, the league dynamics matter, who I matched up against matters, all of that matters. But the one thing that I can really control is the players that I'm starting. And historically, have I done a good job? Am I above a 90% threshold? Nine out of 10 times, am I starting the right players? If that answer is yes, I don't change my process. Because it's been working pretty effectively. That is a top one, two, or three typically in most leagues uh, start rate. You know, you're doing pretty well there. And you just have to live with weekly variance. If you're below that threshold, you need to ask yourself some questions. Is this a roster construction issue? Um, Is where I'm getting this wrong because I'm choosing the wrong players or because I'm left with too many choices? You know, am I rostering too many Cortland Sutland tier players where he's a touchdown monster right now you have a tweet that I think you're scheduling every week now yeah um where Cortland Sutton doesn't catch touchdowns what does he catch
0: he catches miracles (laughs) I love that (laughs) like that's literally that has to be in their playbook at this point just (laughs) just like the old the old uh uh playground play just just go long yeah And i'm gonna throw it roughly there (laughs) yeah which is awesome
1: especially when it hits and especially when you're starting him yeah but i don't i don't want to have uh those players where it's like man he's scored a lot of touchdowns I, i don't know if i can rely on this and there's a lot of players in that tier right there's probably 30 wide receivers probably 20 running backs um eight to 10 quarterbacks. I mean, almost all the tight ends. And so if I'm roster constructed poorly, it could be that I'm just, I'm not guessing, right. I'm left with too many choices. Um, And so I want to pare that down. If I do have what I would deem as a reasonable roster construction, whatever that looks like in your format, um, then you can start to look at the decisions you've made. Why are you making decisions? Are you changing your choices on Sunday morning? Um, Are you opting for high upside bets, not really knowing what that is? Are you leaning away from players that have high variance, but really good season long totals? Do you need to embrace that and just start, you know, a Gabe Davis every single week, knowing that every other week he's going to give you a donut, but he's going to give you 25 points as well. Um, So there's a lot of different ways to look at this. But what I try to do is be optimal in my roster construction. I try to make sure that I'm limiting the choices that I have to make. And if I'm at a true tiebreaker, the value of following the herd in lineup decisions is honestly better in most positions than making more informed choices. I think we as fantasy analysts and we as really savvy fantasy football players sometimes try to outsmart the market. And that's not always the right choice when it comes to lineup decisions. I know you love to pull levers. And I think that is really valuable at the quarterback position specifically. Um, I think the running back position is, you know, we understand that position, I think, better than all of the other ones. We know when someone is likely to get 15 touches and we want to chase that. Mm -hmm. Um, Tight end is just a crapshoot, and wide receiver. We've talked about for 14 weeks. Y'all don't need to hear that again. (laughs)
0: yeah i there is a small amendment to the wide receiver piece of it though and Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same basic principle as with quarterback but there's there are boom bust players at the wide receiver position um there's some very safe floors and there are also the guys who just give you both Mm -hmm. cd lamb right at the moment is the best example of a player who's just uh who's never going to let you down and could potentially win a week for you um but yeah you know they're they are kind of some boom bust type of players and um you know like Noah brown I think is gonna uh looks like he's gonna be one of those type of players calvin Ridley honestly has kind of been that this season mm-hmm. um you know where you I don't know that you necessarily feel comfortable starting them especially you know if you got the the if you got the number three seed you're playing this week against the six seed and you're projected to uh to win by 30 points Uh, are you are you gonna risk um you know putting in a uh you know one of those um high upside but low floor type of guys and um you know give your uh, your opponent the opportunity to come back on you and that's kind of the big thing for me is, is looking at those projections and saying, all right, so what needs and, – and, and especially after the Thursday night game, uh, y- when you've got more information, uh, then you can really say, all right, so uh, I'm down by 50 points, uh, but I have two more players than they have. So uh, I, I need a little bit more upside. I don't need a ton of it, but I need to find some players here who give me – Uh, an opportunity to come from behind. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're the one who started off with a massive lead or you've got the projection advantage by a significant amount, it's like, you just want to protect that. You just want a floor. And so my start sit questions always, anytime somebody asks me to start sit, most of the time it's going to, the answer is going to be something along the lines of here's the guy with the floor If you're projected to win or, you know, you're well ahead in points and you're just trying to protect a lead, here's the guy I think has the highest floor. And so, you know, in the case of Flacco versus uh, Goff, to me it was like Jared Goff gives you the highest floor. If you're just protecting a lead, I think you go with him. But if you're an underdog, if you're a long shot to win – and you you need some big like boom type weeks from some guys. Joe Flacco is one of those guys who can give you a you know a massive week one time uh, to to pull off this upset.
1: I like that. I, I wish I was better at being more predictive of these start sit decisions. I think it's probably a weakness of mine as a manager um, that I've I've hidden. I've covered up to a point where it's not hurting me too bad. But after this conversation, what struck me is I need to start to layer my positional rooms a little bit more effectively. I need to have Keaton Mitchells and Devin Singletary's. I need to have DeMario Douglas and Gabe Davis, right? Just to give me the optionality um, while keeping my roster construction right at the bottom um, that way when Sunday rolls around and I'm, I'm up against a, a J Mike or a super team, I know it's Keaton Mitchell time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's not Devin Singletary time, although he's right. probably going to outproduce him. Like I need to have the big play potential.
0: I need the blowups. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, you know what, if you don't get it, you you're okay with that because you, you took a home run swing when you needed a home run. Mm -hmm. You know, um, rather than just trying to lay down a bunt with Devin Singletary. So, uh, you know, it's like you weren't expected to win that game anyways, but at least you took the biggest shot you could possibly take. So uh, to me, that's the way this game really should be played. And I guess the PSA, um, number one is look at projections and consider floor versus ceiling and what do you need in particular um and and here's another big piece of this uh to keep in mind is it's got to be your overall projections um Mm -hmm. just because you run into travis kelsey or sam laporta doesn't mean you need a high upside tight end necessarily um we're not trying to win position by position um so don't don't uh, don't uh microanalyze it but uh certainly look at the projections um those things end up being you know relatively accurate and say All right, what's it going to take for me to win this game
1: mm-hmm. can
0: i just uh, you know can i just kind of put forth my you know my average effort among my you know my starting players and get the win or do i need some outlier performances to get this done
1: Yeah. I mean, my closing thought here is it's the playoffs. Like this is supposed to be fun. This is the most exciting time of the dynasty calendar for me. I like competing. I like winning. I like making off season or non point scoring season moves that are going to harbor success for the next three weeks. And so just enjoy it, like enjoy the anxiety, enjoy playing against your friends or even strangers, whatever, like, this is what you've built for, for almost an entire year. And it's here. Like this is maybe literal Christmas or holidays, but like this is fantasy Christmas too.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> and, and how fun would it be to take down a championship with Keaton Mitchell in your lineup? Totally. Um, the other thing that I always do, this is, this is a Dave Richard from CBS thing um, that I've kind of clung to, but it just kind of enhances the fun. Um, but I'll, I'll go get some players that, uh, that just are no longer, um, maybe not even playing anymore, but certainly not fantasy relevant. And I'll, uh, at at least for the championship, I'll get those guys on my roster. So last year is Demarius Thomas. So that wasn't necessarily fun, but, um, one of my all-time favorite Broncos and he had just passed away. So he was on my fantasy, roster and uh post-mortem he got a few fantasy championships um before that it was chris carson um uh, the electric playmaker like i i just i always get guys like that i don't know it, it to me it enhances the fun um it's a little cheesy but it's fun uh, uh i guess uh and kind of to put a bow on it um again just kind of the psa piece of this Uh, is I love getting start sick questions. I love strategizing with you in DMs or if you just want to at me on X, whatever. And I know Tommy does as well. Um, For me though, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you analysis based on what the projections could be. So you could really kind of save both of us some time and just tell me, Um, I, I need to start one of these two players. I'm projected to whatever, whether it's to win big, lose big, win a squeaker, whatever. Um, just, you know, share that context with me because that's going to drive the analysis.
1: Yeah. Great advice, man. I I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we're getting back to, um, what is most interesting and exciting for us while staying in the context of contending. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, if, if y'all enjoyed this, we certainly want to provide you some more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and uh, uh, start your studs is nothing.
1: <laughs> That's truth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that message comes directly from the Houston Texans. Yeah. Who like other than Singletary, I don't think anyone did much of anything. Uh, against the jets so anyways yeah that's uh that should do it for the week and yeah like you said it's it's fun to get back to that type of strategy talk and start to set the table for the non-point scoring season still gave you some standard operating procedures though so all that's left for you to do is go out and execute so let's wrap this one up for the week and as we do that ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also subscribe to the dlf family of podcast mega feed and get access to all the great podcasts from dynastyleaguefootball.com once you've subscribed to the super show if you do us a huge favor rate and review the show it really helps us to involve more people in the conversation and we can really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you our super friends speaking of that you can also get at us on x he's at ff tommy b i'm at Superflex dude uh always love to hear from you and hear what's going on and uh um, strategize with you and and uh share some thoughts um we both uh, we both enjoy that that's uh kind of how we unwind from a, a hard day at work uh it, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Abrenkatulis. Thank you to DynastyLeagueFootball.com for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music, and above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. <laughs>